Well, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us here at Bear Life Church. Whether you watch us online, all over the world, at one of our location campuses, we thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us today. You know, that song we just sung, Jawa, that's, that's been on my playlist probably for the last six months. It's one of my go-tos, like the one I listen to over and over and over. And the Lord's really just been speaking to that in my life, how he is our great provider, that he is Jehovah Jireh. And so before we jump into this, you heard what Pastor Adam said this past Wednesday night. We have our youth and we have our college. And at youth, we actually saw four students give their life to Jesus at the youth. So that was awesome. Come on now. And then at college, not before I even got up and preached, before I even shared the message, Brandon started sharing and, and just felt led to say, come on, you don't have to wait to the end of the service to give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus now. And eight college students, as you heard Pastor Adam said, gave their life to you. I'm so thankful that we're part of a church that pours into the next generation, that does everything we can to lead them on the path of righteousness, what God has for their life. And so it's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak into their lives. So we're back on this series, Guardrails. Guardrails are what? They're to direct you. They're to protect you. They're placed in the safety zone. Remember that? We are so thankful for guardrails when we're going down the road. But we also need guardrails in our life. Guardrails in our marriage. Guardrails in our finances. Guardrails in, in, our, in our thoughts. We're going to talk about today. Guardrails in our relationships, especially with toxic people around us. At, at college night, I talked about how do we set guardrails up in our dating life? That how do we know that this is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with? So what are some guardrails I can put in place to make the best decision that I can make when it comes to spending the rest of my life with the person that I get to choose. You know, that is your choice. And so how, how these guardrails work? Well, today I'm going to talk about how do we have guardrails right here? How do we put guardrails to protect our mind? Because folks, listen to me. This is the battlefield. This is what the enemy wants. This is what he's after. He's after your mind. He is after your thoughts. Your battles will be won or lost right here. Your marital battles right here. Your, how you view yourself right here. This is the battlefield. This is what the enemy is after. And if he can get to this and he can begin to believe his lies, he can destroy your life. So how do I put guardrails up to protect my mind? Think about it like this. This is the control tower of my life. This will can control every direction, everything, everything that I do right here. Where, who, or what we are today are the thoughts that we have thought and that we either have acted on them or we have not acted on them. Every action you have ever done in your entire life, think about it, everything you've ever done, even getting up and coming to a place of worship this morning or tuning in online, every action you have ever done started right here with the thought. This is the battlefield. That's why the enemy wants this. Why? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he, as we think within ourselves, as he thinks within himself, so he is. Whatever you think, so it will be. What you believe about yourself, that's what it will be. What you believe about your spouse, that's what it will be. What you believe about your boss that you want to jack slap tomorrow morning, that's what it will be. What you believe about the professor who doesn't like you, who's out to get you, what you believe is what it will be. This is what the enemy wants, and if he can get here, he will destroy your life. So how do I protect my mind? What are some guardrails I could put up in my life? So real quick, let's talk about a few types of people or a few types of mindsets when it comes to thinking. There are those who are the self-destructive thinkers. Self-destructive. They're always self-destructing. They're always sabotaging themselves. They say things like this, I will never be. I will never be good enough. I will never be pretty enough. I will never be enough. 
I'll never be worth enough. These are sabotage thinkers. These are the ones who are always sabotaging or self-destructing themselves. They think less of the self. I'm a failure. No one appreciates me. No one loves me. No one cares about me. Now, we have all at some point in our life, because we have fallen, we, our sin has warped our minds. All of us at some point in our life have thought that way. Some of you, you're chronic thinkers that way. You'll never be pretty enough. You'll never be good enough. Someone didn't like your Instagram enough. Someone didn't like your Facebook post enough. Why can't you be a better mom? I'll never be a good enough mom. I'll never be a good enough boss. I'll never be a good enough employee. You have these sabotaging thoughts and they're critical over, over, and over, and over, and over. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand if that's you. We've all had those thoughts, but some of you are chronically in that. And imagine that. If I wake up every single day of my life thinking I'm not enough, God doesn't love me. I'll never be enough for him. I'll never be enough for her. I'll never be enough for my father in heaven. Imagine if you got up every day of your life thinking that you were a loser. How do you think you're gonna live? If I think I'm a loser, I feel that I'm a loser, I'm gonna live like a loser. Why do you think the enemy wants this? This is the battlefield. The enemy has been questioning God since day one, what God has spoken about you. He has come and said, Eve, did God really say you're gonna die if you do this? This is the battlefield. This is what he wants. He, did, he tried the same tactic when Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the woods. He said, Jesus, if you're so hungry, bro, come on, why don't you turn these stones to bread? You're the son of God. You can do that. Trying to get into his mind. Why? This is the battlefield. As a believer in Christ Jesus, the, the devil cannot possess me to make me because greater is he who is in me than is in the world. It's called the Holy Spirit. So if he can't make me sin as a believer, where does that start? If he can't make me, then where does it come from? Right here. Yeah, you know, no one really loves you. Hey, you know why your parents got divorced? It was all your fault. You know how many kids come in my office and tell me that? It's my fault that my parents got divorced. Who blamed them as if it was the kid's fault? Where did that thought come from? Where does these thoughts come from? How do I protect it? Where do I put the guardrails up from this sabotaging, self-destructive thinking in my life? And then we have the critical thinkers. These people are so critical. They are critical of everything. They always assume the worst. There's always a, a conspiracy behind everything. They're critically always analyzing and thinking. They're critical of anyone and everyone. They're the, they're the ones who would say, you see how they're acting over there? I would never act like that, right? If you're a parent, you know this to be true at one point in your life because you've been in a restaurant before and you've seen kids go off and they act crazy and you look at us and say, if we had kids, our kids would never act like that until you do. The first one, okay. The second one, okay. There it goes, right? Right out there. Right? I mean, it just, it just snowballs. Like, you're critical. Like, I would, I would never let my kids do that. I would never act that way in public. I can't believe she wore that. Like these are critical thinkers. They're always criticizing people around them. They're always thinking less of them. Look at them. And the problem with critical thinkers is they never look at the facts. They never stop for a moment and go, wait, wait, wait. Could there be a reason? Could there be something wrong? Like for instance, if you go to a restaurant and the waitress didn't fill your tea up fast enough for you and you're critical of her, but you have no idea of the facts that she's three kids, she's a single mom, one of them was sick this morning, she couldn't find the babysitter, she finally found one, she was late to work, always just to wait on you, and she doesn't fill your tea fast up, and what's the first response you say? I'll show her. And she's making $2.12 plus tips. 
I'll show her. You see, a critical thinker never stops for a moment and with compassion and considerate saying, wait, maybe there's something going on in their life. Critical people are like, no. And they think the worst of every circumstance. Maybe you realize I'm part of this sabotaging, self-destructive, or critical thinker. And then here's probably going to hit most of us, fearful we're, we're driven by fear, fearful thinking all the time. We worry about everything. We're always constantly worried. We're worry, 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 worry. Am I going to have enough? Will God come through? Am I going to provide? Am I going to pass the test? Am I going to get into the college? Am I going to find a spouse? Are we, are we going to have children? Am I going to get the job that I've always wanted? I'm worried. You know, something wrong. Now that the, this, this COVID's breaking back out again, now I'm worried. Could that be me? And man, now you start finding people your age, and here's what's going on in their life, and you're worried. Man, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Should I do this? Should I? And you're always this constant fear of worrying and worrying about everything, not just the world, but everything. And next thing I know, it eats at you and it gnaws at you. You know, I always, I always said this, worrying is a down payment on a problem that you may never have. You are putting it down. And worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair, you're moving, but you ain't going nowhere. Because the 99.9% of the things that you and I worry about never come to pass. But we worry about them. And this is the person always just worrying and worrying and worrying. And then you have the insecure thinkers. These are people who are very insecure I know that because I, I, I fall into this category a lot in my life. That very insecure, you have this cognitive distortion going on in your mind, which means this. I failed the test, therefore I'm not good enough, and therefore I might, I might as well just quit school. You're in this cognitive distortion going on in your mindset and in the mind. Why? Because this is the battlefield. Hey, my hair didn't fix today well enough, therefore I'm ugly, therefore I should just stay at home because no one likes me. Do you see how quickly we can go to with this cognitive distortion in our life? And we wonder like, well, what's the problem? Where is this coming from? And when we really grasp that this is the battlefield, this is what the, the enemy wants. Or maybe for you in this kind of insecure thinking, you're, you're a mind reader. You're always making up stories what other people are thinking about you. Maybe you go to work and you pass someone's cubicle and they didn't say hi to you and all the way to your, your desk you're going, well, what's wrong with them? Well, they must not like me. Did I do something to offend them? I must have hurt them. Did I say something bad on Facebook? Did they read my mail? What did I do? Did I, did I not say hi? Was I not happy enough? You know, what, what, what's going on? And you start making up stories what people may be thinking about you. And let me help you out real quick. No one's thinking about you. We have all these mangas. What do they think about me? What they, did I like my post? Did I offend them with that post? I don't want to offend nobody. Did I say hi? Make sure you say hi. Like no one's thinking about you. No one's thinking about me. But we'll make these stories up over and over and over. We try to read people's mind or we personalize everything and everything that happens is always your fault. Well, that's just my fault. That's just my fault. Did you, did you hear what happened? That was my fault. Did you hear what I, That's my fault. I, I, and you take the blame for every single thing. Or you have this emotional reasoning that always goes into your mind, which means it says it like this. If I feel it, it must be true. And that right there is one of the biggest lies of the enemy. If I feel it, it must be true. Well, I feel this way, so it must be true. Uh-uh. Let me tell you something about your feelings. They will lie to you. So how do I put God rolls up? How do I protect that? How do I protect the biggest battlefield that the enemy wants? This is it. This will right here will destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your finances. It'll destroy your career. It'll destroy your relationships. It will destroy your relationship between you and your children, family. This is it. Then this is what the enemy wants. So if you're God, how do you set guardrails up? Say, I want to, as my child, to protect your mind. 
I want to protect your mind because this is as you think, so you will be. And so if you think about it, our minds has been affected by sin because the fall sin has come into the earth and our minds are not perfect, perfected anymore. We're selfish, we're self-centered, and we're self-seeking. That's just what sin is and it's in our life. And then all of a sudden, you walk an aisle, you say a prayer, you check the card, something miraculous happened, you give your life to Jesus. And now you've been transformed. Your eyes have been opened. And you're like, man, now God has saved me and I'm a child of God now. But now, but the problem is if I'm, if I'm saved and I'm a child of God, then why do I still have all these negative thoughts? Why am I still sabotaging myself? Why do I still think I'm not good enough? Why do I still worry all the time? Why am I always critical of everybody? And every time they post something, I'm behind the scenes going, and I tell them what they're thinking, but not to their face because we're cowards. Most of us will never say somebody to somebody's face what you put on Facebook. But behind the screen, you can feel like you can say anything. And you're always just like, why? How do I protect this in my mind? You see, salvation changes our lives and our eternity instantly. But it will not change your thought pattern instantly. Yeah, you're saved. You're heaven bound. But it will not change your thought pattern instantly in your life. Why? Because your environment doesn't change. We're still on this planet. I'm not heaven home. I'm not there yet. I'm heaven bound, but I'm not there yet. So my whole environment changes, my eternity changes, but it does not mean that my mind changes just like that. So how do I fix that? How does that happen? You see, Satan wants to blind the minds of unbelievers. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, the God, the little G God of this world blinds people who are not saved from seeing the gospel. That's why I always ask you when you're praying for someone who's lost, pray that God will open their eyes because they're blinded. I know, I was for 20 years of my life. I was blinded by the devil, but the unbelievers, he wants to deceive them. Paul goes on and writes in 2 Corinthians 11, he says this, the battlefield is our mind, and he planned to lead us astray from the simplicity of the gospel, how? By getting right here. So if this is the battlefield, how do I protect it? If this is gonna determine how maybe my marriage is, how then do I protect it? Or my relationships, or so be it. Folks, listen to me, negative thinking leads to negative living. Positive thinking leads to positive living. I like positive better than negative, but here's what we're trying to strive for. Godly thinking leads to godly living. And that's where we're heading today. Proverbs 23, seven again says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. That word think literally means to open the door, open the gate, which means my mind needs to open the gate. But what do I open it to? How do I open it up? It figuratively means to think means to estimate, to value, to calculate. What you value your worth, so it will be. The reason why you feel worthless is because you value your worth as worthless. Who told you that? Who told you you were worthless? Who spoke that over you somewhere in your life? You will value yourself on the thoughts or belief that you believe about yourself. So how do we fix it? How does this happen? Because I'm trying to figure this out with you. We're in a process, right? Because the reality, here's the reality. Here it is. Here it is. You fully cannot control the thoughts that come into your mind. You fully cannot control the thoughts that come into your mind. But you can control them once they get there. And you know what? Another lie of the enemy, just because the thought pierced your mind, you already then begin to feel bad about yourself. You know what I'm talking about. Like, am I even saved? Why am I even having this thought? How, where does thought come from? 
Where's this thought coming from? I never thought like this in my life. Where did that thought come from? As, as the enemy sits back and he wants to shoot a fiery arrow to pierce your mind, thoughts will come and you cannot fully control the thoughts that come into your mind, but you can control them when they get there. And that's the guardrails we're gonna talk about today. How do I make my mind mind to mind me, to obey me? Because I have the power of the Holy Spirit to do that now. Are you glad you came this morning? <laughs> Are you glad? Am I preaching or speaking to anybody? You're saying, oh, I have no problem with my mind. I have no self-destructing thoughts, right? I am not, I'm, I'm so secure. I don't, I'm never insecure. Like, how, how do I control that? Because really, at the end of the day, this affects every one of us. How to be a good employee, a good boss, spouse, fill in the blank, teacher, friend, relationships, your view of your money, all this stuff is right here. So, how do we fix this? Paul says in Romans 12 too, very familiar passage. If you've been around church or been around for it, you may have heard it. I don't know where it's at, but you've heard this quoted before. Do not conform to be molded into the pattern of this world. Please listen to me. The world wants to conform you to their worldview, to their belief, to their ideology. The world wants to conform you, form you into their mold. Paul says, don't be conformed by the world, but be transformed. That's what the word metamorphosis is, a picture of a butterfly being in a cocoon, but then comes out as a butterfly. To be transformed, that's what that picture is. How? How does God transform me from this dark cocoon into this beautiful butterfly? How does he make this transformation in my life? Look what he says. By renewing your mind. Now, isn't it fascinating that Paul writes this almost 2,000 years ago? 2,000 years ago. To renew your mind is the way you defeat the enemy, and it's the way that you set your mind up for success and guard the battlefield. You have to renew your mind. What does it mean to renew? It means to improve. The word literally means renovation. Have you ever renovated a house before? Or you ever remodeled a house? What do you do? You go in there and you take off the old stuff and you put on the new. The word renovation, if you want to look at literally from the definition standpoint, I love this. It means to, re it means to restore to a former better state by, watch this, I love this de definition, by cleaning, repairing, and rebuilding. If I want to renew my mind, I need to clean it Repair it and rebuild it. My goodness, we, that's a three-point sermon right there. Man, for every Baptist preacher, there you go. There's three points. And if you had a poem, you would really be Baptist. I mean, right there it is. I'm gonna repair my mind, re, 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 reclaim my mind, and rebuild my mind. Another definition said an act or a process where repairing, renewing, and restoring to condition. And you know what you need to do? You need to do that every single day of your life. It don't just happen when you got saved. See, some of you right now, you feel guilty because of the thoughts that come into your mind. Listen to me. You can't control the thoughts that come into your mind fully, but you can control what you do when they get there. Some of you, you the enemy will beat you up just for having the thought. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I thought that. Oh, and then you feel so bad or dirty or guilty about yourself. And like, I know that's not right. I shouldn't think those thoughts. Remember, you can't control that comes in, but you can control once they get there. In fact, Science has finally 
caught up to what Paul talked about in the Bible. And what Paul has talked about, science has now put it together with neuroplasticity. It's a way that you can rewire your brain. And if you have all these pathways and hold, I don't want to get all to that, but just the definition of neuroplasticity is also known as neuroplasticity and brain plasticity. It's the ability of neural networks in the brain to change through growth and reorganization, which means this, if I had sabotaging thoughts about myself, I could unlearn that, I can reprogram that, and now I can have great wholesome thoughts about myself. Science has proved this. You can do this by renewing your brain over and over and over. Paul talked about it. How did Paul know of neuroplasticity? God told him when he inspired him to write this for us today. So there is hope and we can do this. So in the next 14 minutes and 34 seconds that I have, you better pray for me because I've only had one cup of coffee. So you better pray for me to get through this. I'm gonna share with you quickly what are some guardrails. I'm telling you, this will affect every one of you, every single one of us, and this is the battlefield. What are some guardrails that I can put up to do the very best I can in a sinful world that wants to conform me to their ideology, what's the best way? Because I have the devil, I have all this against me, I have my flesh, and I have the world. So what guardrails can I put in place to do the very best I can to protect my mind? Here we go, the first thing is this, you have to feed your mind with truth. I gotta feed my mind with truth. This is the problem today in the world because truth is what's truth to you. The world doesn't see things as absolute truth anymore. If you believe it's true, honey, it's true. If it's true to you, be true to you. And so that means this, out of seven billion people on the planet, we get to pick seven billion things that are true because there's no such thing as absolute truth anymore. If it's true to you, it's true to you. But we as followers of Jesus believe this is true. And this trumps every single thing, no matter how I feel. Well, I just don't feel like God should do that. I, I know the Bible says that, but. The moment you ever say, I know what the Bible says, but, you're believing a lie. Listen to me, you're believing a lie. Let me give you an example. I know that God loves me, but. But what? And usually that but in your life is that one sin that you keep struggling with all the time. You said, I think he loves me, but man, if I could just get past this one sin, then maybe he will... I know God can forgive me, but, but what? It either is true or it's not true. So you can find yourself, counsel yourself, and watch this, and do this to yourself. When you start saying, I know what the Bible says, but, the moment you say, but, you should go, wait, 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 I'm believing a lie. I'm believing something that's contrary to what God says. I know God is, I know what the Bible says, that marriage is between a man and a woman, but, but what? But what? It's true, it's true. There's no reason to find it. But I just feel, well, God's word trumps your feelings. Well, I just don't think it's fair. God's word trumps whatever we think or whatever we fear. See, that's why we say, I just don't believe it's absolute truth. Well, if that's the case, then you got another belief about the, about the inspiration and errancy of God's word. Now we need to talk about that. See, we say this, I just don't think it's, I just don't believe, but. It's either true or it's not. So here's what I gotta do. I gotta feed my mind with truth. Matthew 4, 4. People need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. I've gotta feed myself God's word. I gotta feed myself what is true. Psalms 119. Lord, oh, how I love your word. I think about it all day long. Psalms 16. Even in the darkest of night, your teachings fill my mind. 
And isn't that the darkness of night? Somewhere around 3 a.m. all the time, the devil really comes knocking around. You ever notice that? Why is it? Like, I don't want to look at the clock in the morning. Oh, it's 3 a.m. He is out again. Ugh. Right? Something about 3 a.m. in the devil. I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy how it works in my house. Even in the darks of night, your teachings fill my mind. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your law. Psalms 119. So here, the first guardrail I have to put in my mind is I have to feed my mind truth. I have to feed my mind truth. And folks, listen to me. Listen, this is the truth. I've based my life on this. I've based my eternity on the pages of this book. I've based my calling. If this is not true, we are wasting our time. We might as well just go home. If this is not true, then there's no truth. Then it's true what's true to you. I believe enough that God says what he says he means what he says, and I've based my entire life, my finances, my marriage, my parenting, my calling, my vocation, my eternity on the pages of this book. And if there's anything in my life that's contrary to what this says, my view, this trumps it all. And listen, this is what we need to feed our mind with. Why do you think the enemy wants to keep you from the Bible? You could read countless blogs and countless articles, and some of you smart college students can do trig, which is from the devil, y'all know that. Because the Bible says that devil is the author of confusion. Is there anything more confusing than trig? I can't even spell it, right? I mean, it's horrible. You are so smart. But then when it comes to the Bible, I just don't know where to start. I don't understand it. Why do you think he wants to keep you away? Because he knows when you know the truth, the truth will what? Preach to me. He doesn't want you to be set free. So what is he gonna do? Lie to you. Why does he always come home late from work and when he comes home, he's always grouchy? Maybe, you know what, maybe, maybe there's something going on at work. Maybe he doesn't love you anymore. Where does this come from? And we'll begin to believe the lies and we'll begin to follow this pathway of like, you know what, that's right. And then downhill it goes. If you're the enemy and you know this is the battlefield, what are you gonna go after? So that's why we gotta get in God's word. That's why the other day I said, listen, just read one chapter a day. I don't care if it's five verses a day. Just start getting God's truth into your mind. So that, watch this, when false things come, the truth will be a red flag. It says, but the truth says, but God's word says that it's true. So I need to feed my mind with truth. Second thing is I gotta free my mind of negative thoughts. Now here's where we get practical. So this is something you can do right now today. You can find a place in the Bible and you can start filling your mind with truth. I love Proverbs, there's 31 of them. I try to do one proverb a day, kind of keep it with the day of it. It's really good, there's so much great stuff in wisdom and Proverbs. There's ways you could do this. You just pick a place, maybe one chapter a day, and go through it, you could do it. But then I gotta free my mind from negative thoughts. This is the hard part. This is the hard part. Because just because I'm in the truth doesn't mean that negative thoughts are not gonna come my way. But it does determine now when they get there, what do I do with them? because I do have the power to control those thoughts. And if we wanna free our mind from negative thoughts, we have to, if not, we'll become prisoners of our own thoughts. Why? We have the flesh against us. Now, what's the flesh? That's my old nature. See, when I got new, the old went away, but the new is here, right? But I still live in this flesh. 
this dying flesh, and I will die someday. God created us to live forever until the fall came. But you will live forever in one or two places, a place called heaven with Jesus, a place called hell apart from Jesus. It is your choice to put your faith and trust him. That's your two destinies. You're gonna end in one of those two places. So I have this flesh that's against me. And, and the reality is I'm my biggest enemy. Like I sabotage myself more than anybody sabotages me. I lie to myself more than anybody else lies to me. Man, you're no good. No one cares about you. That sermon, dude, that stunk, man. I can't believe you preached that. Like, man, I, shoot, you might need to find something else to do with your life. No one wants to listen to you. Like, where does these, all these thoughts come from? To be critical of yourself or sabotage yourself. It's the flesh that is against me. Paul writes in Romans 8, those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. Think about sinful things. Think about, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that pleases the Spirit. So now watch this. I have the power because the Holy Spirit's in me now to control the thoughts that come in my mind. We'll walk through that just in a second. Here's the second thing. The devil is out to get you. We know that he, he's like a roaring lion seeking to devout those who isolate themselves. That's the whole point, really, why we should have community and life groups here at Better Life Church. Listen, you're not gonna know everyone here, but you need to know somebody. And when you isolate yourself, the enemy will assassinate you. You need to have community. You need to have a life. You need groups together. But the enemy is out to get you. He wants to destroy you. And then you have the world, the culture, the ideologies of the world trying to conform you to what they say is true and how they think that you ought to be. So how do we fix this? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, watch this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, what does he mean by that? Every argument and pretense and thing that pierces our mind, if we don't deal with it, Paul says, becomes a fortified city Locked by deception. That's why a 45-year-old guy begins to have anxiety attacks or panic attacks or depression or this performance issue at work trying to make people or get people to think about him. And he has no idea the reason why he's trying to prove to people his worth and his value is because at 12 or 10, his dad told him if he doesn't straighten up, he will never be good enough. He will never amount to anything in his life. And so he now has been this thought in his mind that I got to work to earn favor from my father. And therefore now he's 45 and 50 years old with this performance mentality of why am I trying to prove myself to my father? He has no idea of those words that were spoken over him as a kid has now locked him by deception. That's why girls come in my office in their 30s and their 50s are still having daddy issues and why daddy was never there for them. And daddy... And they have no idea it's because what happened when they were a kid. Paul says it's this locked by deception. He's going to deceive you and weave these thoughts in your mind. And you're wondering like, why am I panicking? Why am I, what do you mean I'm, I'm insecure? Because something that was spoken over you or really truly happened in your life, the devil now has locked it by deception. And you're sitting going, I don't know where this is coming from. And that's what the enemy wants. So Paul says, these arguments, these pretensions, the things that come into your mind, hey, look what he says. Here it is. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What does he mean by that? When a thought comes into your mind, you need to take that thought and put that thought on trial. 
You need to examine that thought. For instance, man, no one cares about me. No one loves me. Wait, 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 wait. Where does that thought come from? I'm gonna take that thought and I'm gonna put it on trial. Who said that to me? Who's speaking that to my life? Let me tell you a really easy way. This, this is one of the best ways to do this. When you have a negative thought come into your mind, stop for a minute, grab a piece of paper, write it down on a piece of paper that, Daniel, you're not good enough. And then examine that thought out of your mind. Who told me this? I'm gonna put this thought on trial. What evidence is proof that you're not good enough? What evidence is proven that you are lacking? And then write it out. You put that thought on trial. That's exactly what Paul is saying. You take that thought captive, you put it on trial. In fact, that word captive is a picture of a Roman soldier who has drawn his sword and he pointed at you and he's interrogating you going, who are you, where are you from? Could you imagine every negative thought that comes in your mind, you take out the sword, <laughs> you take out the sword and you put the sword to go, who are you? Or is this truth or is this a lie? God, because you said that I'm more than enough. You say that I'm a child of God. You say that I'm, I'm, I'm heaven bound. You say I'm worth. You said you clothe the lilies, you clothe me. You said you watch the sparrow, you'll watch after me. Come on thoughts, let's put you on trial and let's bear the truth of what's coming in. Then you realize, well, that's a lie. I'm not gonna believe this. And I have the power of the Holy Spirit to choose to reject that thought because it no longer has control over me until the next negative thought comes. Why? Because you can't control all the thoughts that come in your mind, but you can control when they get there. Some of you right now, you are destroying yourself. Why? Because all the negative stuff that you let come into your life. You watch stuff. Listen, I'm not legalistic, man. We're saved by grace through faith. I understand that. And I am free in Christ. I'm free indeed. But just because you're free to do it doesn't mean you should. Some of you right now, you think, man, I'm strong enough. I can watch that stuff. And you watch this stuff and somebody's half naked or everybody used 25,000 F words in it. And you can go on and on and go and say, man, I ain't gonna be legal. I can watch what I want. And then you're wondering when you stub your toe why the first thought you think is that F word. You think, why, when you see a girl at work, the first thing that comes back is how she's half naked. And you're wondering, going, where's these thoughts coming from? Well, look what you're feeding your mind. You think you're strong enough. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. Don't be legalistic. I don't have to, I could do it. That's why you don't catch me watching that stuff. Not because I can't. It's because I choose not. I don't want to fill my mind with that junk. That's why I don't listen to certain music. That's why I don't watch certain movies. It's not because I can't do it. I'm free in Christ. I can do it. But I shouldn't because I know what it's going to do to my mind. This is the battlefield. And some of you right now, you've filled your mind with all these conspiracy theories and the world's out to get you. Let me, t let me help all you conspiracy theorists out there. In the book of Revelation, watch this. This is going to blow your mind. The church wins. We win. Spoiler alert. We win. You may be persecuted, you may be pressed, but you win. And so you're sitting there going, man, I'm, I got this stuff. You do. And so you're sitting here in my office, you're wondering, why do I got these critical, sabotaging, insecure thoughts? And I'm like, what are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you feeding your mind with? Toxic friends? We preached on that. You see what I'm saying? What do you feed yourself? It's going to come out. Knowing this is the battlefield, I have to protect what comes in. And I live in a fallen world, and that's why on Facebook, you get to control your feed. You don't have to listen to this stuff. Unfollow, unfollow, unfriend. <laughs> you know, I control it. 
as best as you can. I can't control what comes in, but I can't control when it gets there. And so I'm gonna put it on trial. And then you take it thought, the captive, integrate it, and then you make it obedient to Christ, which means this, if there's a negative thought, is there a negative, if there's a lie, I'm gonna replace it with truth. You are worthless, lie, integrate it, place it with truth. But God, you said I'm more than enough. I never amount to anything. Ephesians, God, you said that I'm your masterpiece and you've created me in Christ Jesus to do good work. So I know you've got a purpose for me. I'm gonna replace the lie with truth. Why do you think you should feed your mind with truth? So when the lie comes, you can replace it. Why do you think people don't replace their mind with truth? Because they're not in it and they don't know it. You have no idea what God thinks about you. He loves you more than anything. I don't feel it because you're not in the truth to believe it. And if you'll do this, I'm telling you, you'll put guardrails up. Listen, we're in a sinful world. You are still a sinful person. I'm never gonna be lie-free. I'm gonna give in. Because every time I sin is I believe a lie, I believe that's greater than what God has for me. Every time. And you'll never get to the point where you're sinless. But you can get to the point where you begin to sin less because you're aware that this is the battlefield. And this is what the enemy wants. So I gotta make sure that I replace it with truth. And then lastly, I gotta focus my mind on the right things. I gotta focus it. You can control that. Like this is, your, this is in your control. Because you have the Holy Spirit, you can focus your mind on the things that you need to focus on. Paul writes in Colossians 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You know what most of us think about? Earthly things. Not heavenly things, not on above. I love what Paul writes in Philippians 4. This is a very familiar passage. You know this, we let this go in one ear out the other, but if you'll just watch this, this, this puts it all into one passage right here. Look what he says. Finally, brothers. Finally. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, what is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. For whatever you learn or received or heard from me or see me put into practice, and then, and here's what you long for more than anything else, whether you know it or not yet, peace. Peace will be with you. Do you know what that is? That's the better life. She told me she didn't love me anymore and she walked out on me. But God, I'm gonna turn my mind to things that are true, honor, pure, righteous. And even though I'm walking through hell on earth, I have your peace with me. The better life is not an easy life. This life will not be easy. The world, the devil, your flesh hates you. Jesus says, if they hated me, they're gonna hate you. He already told us this. It's not gonna stop you from going through trials in your life. But with Jesus, it makes my life better. Why? Because I can have peace in the midst of chaos. That's the better life. So, Proverbs, great wisdom, 
Look what he says. Guard your heart. That word heart is your mind. My heart only feels what my mind believes. When people say, oh, they, they just, I just feel. You only feel your thoughts. I just feel that they love me. Why? Because you believe that they love me. I feel that they don't love me no more. Why? Because you believe they don't love you. Your heart. So guard your heart. This, in, this word in, the, in, in, in Hebrew, it's the wholeness of the person. It's the thought. It's the mind. Guard your mind above all else. Why? For it determines your destiny. It determines the course of your life. What, watch this. What you believe about Jesus will determine the course of your life. It will determine your destiny. Heaven or hell? Choose. All your de- That's based on one thought that I believe. And because I believe, I feel. Because I feel, I will behave. Folks, that's what repentance is. It's the renewing of your mind. Repentance is this. I turn my mind toward God, which shifts my heart towards God, which will shift my feet towards God. And then I will behave what I feel because I believe. That's repentance. I turned. You don't like your behavior? You have to change your feelings because you only act at what you feel. You don't like what you feel? You got to change your thoughts. And feelings follow thoughts. So Proverbs says, above everything else, guard this, for it will determine the direction, the course of your life. You don't like where your life is headed? Change your thoughts. That's the power of thoughts. That's the power of the mind. That's why that's the battlefield, and that's why the enemy wants it. But not anymore. Because the thousands of plus people who are watching this today online in person, you're going to put guardrails up. And you're going to take those thought captives. And you're going to interrogate it. And you're going to feed your mind with truth. And you're going to get in God's word so that when those thoughts come, like, "Uh uh-uh. You may have some slip in. We all do. But not chronically. Because we're going to trust him to take care of us. I'm going to ask people to bow your heads. The old proverb, an old age proverb says this. You've probably seen this before. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap your destiny. What is he saying? You want to change your destiny? Change your thoughts. It's the battlefield. And so my prayer for you today is this. That you'll leave here today with some tools to deal with your sabotaging, critical, self-destructive thoughts. That you will go and realize that maybe the reason I feel or act a certain way is because I'm believing something and I could be believing a lie. So I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit, who's the author of truth, to expose the lie with the light of the truth. I'm gonna replace that with truth so I can be set free. Because I promise you this, as a child of God, as a daughter of God, listen to me, ladies, He doesn't want you walking around thinking that you're not 
enough, that you're damaged good, that you'll never be, that to conform to the world, that if you don't look like this, act like this, dress like this, that you're not enough. Listen to me, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Listen to me, man, don't fall into a lie that if I'm not this and that, and you gotta be this to be a man, and you gotta be this. Listen, what does God say about that? Today, critical, self-sabotaging thoughts are gonna end in this place because you're gonna be equipped on how to handle those lies. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. I pray that we would just continue to stay in your word so that we would know the truth and the truth will set us free from all these thoughts, these negative, critical lies that we believe. Because you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one, it's enough. You provide and you'll meet every need that we need. That when we feel worthless, your word says we're worthy. When we feel lost, your word says that we're found. When we don't know what direction to go, you said I'm the light for your path. When we feel like we're unsuccessful, you tell us to meditate on your word day and night and we will be successful. May those thoughts run rapid in our mind so that we can be everything you've called us to be. For it's your name we ask and we pray.